Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading that passage, Liz. Uh, we, throughout the summer, have been in a series on the parables of Jesus. And Jesus, we've learned, uh, loved to teach in parables. It was really his favorite way to teach. Jesus told these stories with surprising twists and shocking elements to get past our defenses into what we have as these deeply held beliefs and false notions about who God is and how God works. This parable that we read together is one of the most puzzling and shocking of all the parables. It has probably the worst villain in any of the stories. So there's this villain, the judge, who in the story, somehow Jesus says, actually represents God. And we say, what is going on with that? And then there's the widow who gets her way by pestering and wearing out this judge. And Jesus says, she's a model for our prayers. Does this mean the lesson of the story is that prayer is all about bothering and pestering God until he gives us what we want? Is that the, is that the moral of the story? It seems like it at first, but there's a lot more going on with this story. Thankfully, this parable comes with a little help from Luke, the gospel writer who recorded this story. Luke gives us the main application and lesson of this parable up front. You see it there in verse 1 of chapter 18. Uh, Luke says, Now Jesus told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not lose heart. So here is a story on the necessity and the difficulty of prayer all in one. Jesus seemed to understand that if he taught on the absolute necessity of prayer, that he also had to address its difficulty. And I find that very comforting, that Jesus didn't water down the need for prayer, but he also understands how difficult prayer can be for us, how sometimes we feel like giving up on prayer altogether. And that is probably especially true in these times. If you're like me and many people that I've been talking with, we feel a deep call to prayer, like we ought to be praying for all that's going on in us and around us and in our world, and yet we struggle to believe that it's making any difference. Now, you might be there right now, and this story is for us when we have those doubts and those struggles with prayer. Before we get into the lessons of this parable, first let's do a quick overview of the story in verses 2 through 5. So verse 2, starting there, Jesus tells this story. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. We pause right there. 
The two things that make a good judge are one, a judge who respects an authority, someone or something greater than him, someone he is accountable to for his decisions and his actions, and two, a judge who respects people, who values the dignity of all people, no matter who they are, no matter what their position is in life. This judge, Jesus says, is basically the worst judge you can ever imagine. And sometimes uh, we get the sick, sick pleasure in watching really mean and terrible judges render decisions on people. So, so that's why we have these judge shows, right? When I was growing up, it was the People's Court, Judge Wapner, there was Judge Judy, and there's Texas Justice out there. I don't know what the latest one is now. But for some reason, we love seeing judges who are harsh and who pass the sentence without any feeling. But in this story, no one will read this story and go, yeah, I'm enjoying reading this. We see this poor widow, and we see a judge who's ignoring her, and we're meant to be just repulsed by this judge. Verse 3, the widow comes. A widow in that town kept coming to him. Women at this time who had lost their husbands had no family. If they had no family to return to after they lost their husbands, they had no status, no power, no resources. So a widow meant you were powerless and vulnerable. Before this kind of judge then, this kind of person, this widow had little chance. But she kept coming and saying, give me justice against my adversary. We don't really know what the situation is. We can't really know. But likely it's something to the effect of somebody had taken what was her husband's, his, his money, uh, the property, taken that from her, which meant she had nothing to live on. This was her entire future. This judge then was her only hope. And so verse 4, the story goes on and says the judge was unwilling, which is no surprise given his character. For a period of time, this judge ignored her. But later, <laughs> paraphrasing, he says, even though I am basically the worst judge in the world, because this woman just keeps bothering me and pestering me, fine. She is going to wear me out if I don't answer her. The pestering, the word there, could be translated, annoying me. And, and the judge is saying, uh, she is going to beat me down with all this. So, okay, fine. Go away, woman. I'll give you what you want. That's the story. It's quite a story. Doesn't it make you want to go out and pray right now? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe you have some questions that need to be answered to understand how is this story a story that will give me reason to pray and not give up. So let's look at this. Uh, as we walk through this story, we'll see there are, this parable gives us four reasons why we should always pray and not give up. First reason is this, it's because of who we pray to. One of the hardest things about prayer is that it can feel like sometimes that no one is listening, that no one is there. When we pray for relatively minor things, we often think, I think this, that I I don't want to pester and bother God about these minor things in my life. He has better things to do, like run the world in big problems. Why should I pray about that? And other times when we pray for major things, big hardships, trials, when it feels like our life is on the line, like this widow, and we pray, and the answer we hope for, it doesn't come. We think maybe God is there. But me and what I am going through, maybe it doesn't matter to him. 
or maybe he isn't there at all. So we feel like giving up on prayer altogether. There's a famous wood carving uh, piece of art that was uh, created inspired by this parable. I just want to put that up on the screen because I, I think this piece of art can capture visually how it often feels to pray. Hopefully you can see the widow trying to push through the crowd, wondering if she's important to this judge. And you see the judge? He's looking away, holding up a hand, saying, no, I'm not listening. That's how it can often feel when we pray. When it feels like God is ignoring us, not answering or absent, this story that Jesus told expresses what prayer feels like to us. And we start to think, you know, is prayer just about reminding God, bothering God, convincing God to help me, to answer me? Through this story, Jesus is saying, no, that's the farthest thing that prayer really is. The first thing we need to see about this parable to understand its message is that Jesus told this story to set up a stark contrast between God and this terrible judge. In verse 6, Jesus says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God? Do you see the stark contrast? He's saying if the unjust judge who doesn't love God or people hears the cries of this widow who means nothing to him, How much more will God, who is just and loving and gracious and compassionate, hear the cries of his people who mean everything to him? That's the contrast. If prayer is bothering or pestering or convincing a reluctant God to pay attention to you and to help you, at some point, friends, you will give up on prayer. But if you know prayer is calling on a God who is always eager to hear, and who is always just and always compassionate and always acts consistent with his character, if you believe this, you can keep on praying, even in those times when it feels like God isn't answering, even in those times where it feels like God is absent. This is the first reason given in the parable why we should pray and not give up. We should pray always and not give up because God is always true to who he is, to flesh that out a little bit. God is just, so he will never give up on justice. That's impossible for him because of his character. So we should never give up on praying for it. Jeremiah 9.24 says, God delights in doing justice, and that will never change. God is loving and compassionate. He will never give up on extending love, compassion, and grace on all who ask for it. That is who God is. It is impossible for him not to be that way, so we should never give up on praying for these things. Now, this doesn't resolve everything, this first reason, but it is the foundation. Second reason. It's because of who we pray to. It's also because of who is praying. Now, you might be saying, what does that mean? I am the one praying. How does that help? How is that a reason? It's just me. It's my doubts. It's my struggles with prayer. It's uh, sometimes my weakness and lack of faith that makes prayer so hard for me. So how is that a reason? And here is the amazing storytelling power of Jesus in this parable. The parable gives us a picture of who God is by way of contrast. But this story, this parable, gives us a picture of who we are by comparison. 
The judge in the story is meant to show us what God is not like. The widow in the story is meant to show us what we are like. And the more we know we are like her, the more we will always pray and not give up. To be a widow in this patriarchal structured society meant, like we said, if you lost your husband and you didn't have any family, you lost your status, your power, your resources, everything. The Hebrew word for widow, it comes from the word meaning unable to speak. To be a widow meant there was no one to speak for you. No one had a reason to listen to you. So the character of the widow symbolized the ultimate state of weakness and vulnerability. And this helps us understand the story because we ask, well, why did the widow do what she did? And the answer is, she had no other option. This was all that she could do. She had no one to speak for her. No one would listen to her because of who she was. It seemed like she had zero chance that this terrible judge would give her the time of day. So she kept on pestering him. She kept on going to him. It was her only hope. She was desperate. She kept going to the judge because she had nowhere else to go. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. Like Jacob in Genesis, who wrestled with God. And in prayer, at his moment of crisis, said to God, when he had nowhere else to go, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob was out of options. That's when he finally learned to pray. What does this all mean for us? It means this, friends. We often give up on prayer or pray very little because we think we have so many other effective options available to us to deal with our problems, to handle life, even to faithfully follow Jesus. Jesus is telling us to not give up on prayer, we must move from prayer as a last resort to prayer as our only resort. From prayer as an additional resource to prayer as my only reliable resource. From prayer as an occasional act to prayer as a continual posture of our hearts. Now Jesus, if you read the Gospel, especially the Gospel of Luke, you'll see Jesus loved to make widows the heroes. Luke picked up on this. He made it a major theme in his gospel. Widows are the heroes all over the place. He's the only one who tells us about uh, someone named Anna, who was a prophetess, who lived 84 years in the temple, praying night and day. And it's told in such a way that the birth of Jesus was actually in part an answer to the prayers of Anna, the widow. She's a hero. Uh, in Luke, Jesus retold the story of Elijah and the poor Gentile widow. In Luke, he raised a widow's son. He made a poor hero in the temple. Uh, he made a poor widow the hero in the temple amongst all the other religious professionals for putting in two of her copper coins, all she had to live on. She was the hero. And Jesus made the widow the hero of this story on prayer. Widows are spiritual heroes. Here's a challenging implication for us, friends. Jesus assumes that faithful Christians will find themselves in situations like this widow. It will happen to all those who faithfully follow him. Whether it be persecution or marginalization or trials or weaknesses, there will be situations where the resources, the status, the political power, the social capital, the cultural influence, the strategies we have will be completely inadequate to do what
what Jesus calls us to do and to be what Jesus calls us to be. And in those moments, we will have to decide, will we become like the widow and gain the real power and the real resource and the real capital of heaven? Or will we effectively give up on prayer to hold on to what we think will actually make a difference and get the job done? If we choose the latter, we will have to question whether we are faithfully following Jesus and what he's called us to do and to be. Reason one, why should we always pray and not give up? Because of who we pray to. Reason two, because of who is praying. We see we are truly like the widow. And thirdly, where we pray from. What do I mean by that? This parable is told in the larger context of Jesus being asked by the Pharisees, when will the kingdom of God come? Chapter 17, verse 20. So this story is in part an answer to that. This is important because it places the parable in context. It's a parable about how to always pray, not give up from a world where the kingdom of God has not yet come and will not fully come until Jesus comes again, which he references in verse 8 of our passage. To use the language of the most repeated word in this parable, used four times, we pray from a world where injustice is still present and often prevalent. What kind of justice did Jesus have in mind here? Justice, defining justice, is something that we're working out in our culture today. And as Christians, we need to be clear about this. What kind of justice did Jesus have in mind here? Many students of this parable think Jesus is thinking ahead and talking about the persecutions of, of Christians, of, of his followers. So it's like a preparation story. I think that's an application of this parable, but I don't think that's its original intent. I think the most natural way to read this is that Jesus is talking to the people right there in front of him. His followers, Pharisees, and the Jewish people, his fellow, fellow Jewish people. He's talking about the elect or chosen people of God the Jewish people, Israel, who had been waiting and praying for hundreds and hundreds of years for justice, for God to come and set things right. They were living under subjugation. They were living under oppression, under empire after empire after empire. They had suffered much injustice. In this parable, Jesus is saying, God has heard your prayers. Don't give up. He will grant you justice. He's saying, this is why He's come, and this is why he will come again. The Son of Man, verse 8, that's how Jesus refers to himself. Jesus is saying here, he is God's answer to the prayer for justice. Now in Luke 23, when Jesus is on the cross, the crowd is mocking him. They say, let's see if you're really God's elect. God's really, you really his chosen one? Then what are you doing on the cross? Why are you a victim of injustice? Save yourself. If he's God's chosen one, why would God allow this injustice to happen to him? Even one of the criminals who was being crucified next to him said, Yeah, that's right. If you're the Messiah, save yourself. The one and only person who understood what was happening on the cross in the moment was the other criminal being crucified next to Jesus. He said this, don't you even fear God, talking to the other criminal, since you are undergoing the same punishment? 
we are punished justly. The issue of justice comes up. Because we are getting back the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and said, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God answers the prayers for justice from our broken world by coming into our broken world and suffering as a victim of injustice himself. So when God hears prayers for justice, he doesn't just hear these from afar, from the outside. He hears these prayers from the inside, as it were. On the cross, Jesus doesn't only experience injustice. He upholds all justice. All wrong must be and will be dealt with. That is what was happening on the cross. And Jesus, on the cross, opens the way out of injustice. Here's how it works. To all who believe, Jesus is taking what I deserve and giving me what he deserves. Like the condemned criminal, to his side. All who say, Jesus is taking, who I believe Jesus is taking what I deserve and giving me what he deserves. Such grace, such love to the undeserving moves us to do justice for those who deserve it and even those who don't, and to go beyond justice in sacrificial love and grace, knowing that one day Jesus, the Son of Man, will come again. And what will he find on the earth? Will he find his followers doing justice out of the great act of mercy and grace that has been shown to them? There's application here for how we pray for ourselves, but also there is an important application here for who we hear as Christians and followers of Jesus. Who do we hear? Who do we pray for? And what do we pray for? Unpacking that, what do I mean? I mean, can we listen to those who, like the widow, have been praying for justice for years and who have no other hope, who are ready to give up on God? Can we pray? For them and alongside them with tears. Will we pray, God, bring justice, your kingdom come. This is the third reason for prayer, why we should always pray and never give up because of where we pray from, a world that is broken, where the kingdom has not yet come, a world of injustice. We must pray, Jesus teaches, and not give up. Let your kingdom come. God hears those prayers. Okay, reasons to always pray and not give up. Who we pray to, a God who is unchanging, who is praying. We are all widows who have no other resources, but we have access to the greatest resource, our God in heaven, where we pray from. And finally, because of what prayer does. I realize that what I've said so far doesn't remove or answer all the questions, remove the tension or answer all the questions about prayer. Jesus says, though, here, and introduces more tension at the end. He says, will God delay in helping? Well, sometimes it sure seems like it. I tell you, Jesus says, he will swiftly grant them justice. And we say, how swiftly? Though it seems like God is delaying his help, Jesus is saying, 
there will be a swift and a final and a decisive end to all that is wrong and a setting things right when the Son of Man comes again. There is tension there. Although there is a sure and a certain end, it's hard to believe that end is coming when it seems like God doesn't answer. And so this final reason, because of what prayer does, is the final reason Jesus gives us in this story, to keep praying and not give up. Because of what prayer actually does for us in the tension. Let me share an illustration. There are many things in life that you have to fail at first, over and over again, in order to learn, to really do. Like riding a bike or starting to ride a mountain bike and hit the trails. You gotta fall. <laughs> you gotta fall and get back up. Or learning to surf or ski or snowboard. Snow, snowboard. You have to fall. You have to get hurt and you have to get back up on the board. Or if you play golf, you have to hit it into the water. You have to completely miss the ball and look like a fool to learn how to play golf. But if you give up, the truth is you never really rode a bike or rode a surfboard or a snowboard. You never really golfed. You never really learned what it's like to do those things. It's the same with prayer. Prayer teaches us to pray. Persevering in prayer is how God teaches us to pray. There's no other way, and it's not easy. Here Jesus acknowledges and addresses some of our deepest questions and tensions with prayer, and we should be thankful and comforted that he knows. To pray, Jesus says, when he says, when I come again, will I find faith on the earth? To pray and not give up is an act of faith in Jesus, trusting in who he is, as he has shown us the sure, the just, the gracious, compassionate, and loving character of God. Prayer is an act of faith. I believe, God, you are who you say you are and who you have shown yourself to be in Jesus. Prayer is an act of faith in what God promises to do when the kingdom comes finally and fully. And prayer is also how we grow in faith in all of those things. It's through the act of persevering prayer. It's where we come to know God, the God who hears us. It's where we come to see Jesus as our only hope and our only resource, and we hold on to his promise to come. But here's what we need to see. Not to pray, to give up on prayer, is also an act of faith. Not praying grows our faith in other things in ourselves, in our resources, in the power, in the capital of this world, in our thinking, in our actions, in many other things. To pray and not give up is an act of faith in Jesus. But not to pray, to give up on prayer, is also an act of faith. That's the choice this parable puts before us. Which Faith will grow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as people and as a church, I pray you would meet us now in the places where we feel like we're struggling to pray, where we feel like 
we want to give up. Help us to keep praying, to persevere, and not to give up. And as we do in a broken world where so much is wrong and needs setting right, help us trust who you are, that you are the servant. God has chosen you, the beloved one in whom is his delight. He has put his spirit on you, and you will and have proclaimed justice to the nations. You will not argue or shout. No one will hear your voice in the streets. A bruised reed you will not break. You will not put out a smoldering wick until you have led justice to victory. And the nations will put their hope in your name. Our hope is in you, Jesus. We give you thanks. Amen.